0: Welcome. Um, my name is John Crisp, and uh, a lot of you guys call me Crispy. That's cool, too. But if we haven't met before, would love to get an opportunity to meet with you and just, um, yeah, welcome to Young Adults. We meet on Tuesday nights. We also meet on Thursday nights, um, uh, and, and uh, we hope, it's our prayer that this is a community in which you can grow and be strengthened, but also find, you know, encouragement with other folks who are kind of going through the same season of life as you, and um, we believe very strongly that the, the, your 20s is kind of like this defining decade. I don't know about you guys, um, I could definitely say, you know, when I was in my 20s, it was just absolute chaos, I didn't have a community to plug into, and um, nothing nothing even close to this, in fact, uh, it went complete the opposite direction, and... and um, and so I hope that this is a benefit to you. I hope that this uh, getting to be together is is good. Um, we are in a, a series called "Getting Past Your Past," and I didn't realize when we were getting into this, like kind of how how much stuff it was going to kind of like dig up for me even. And so I've been processing each week and and uh, the first week we talked about our labels. We talked about these labels, things that you know have happened in our past that we bought into these labels. maybe it was true about us, maybe it was a complete lie, uh, but nonetheless, we defined our or we allowed these labels to define ourselves and uh, and Jeremy loves rhymes, so I'm going to throw this rhyme out there, but he likes to say, I am more able than my little label right and um, and so anyway. I love that. Um but week two, we talked about, that was our worship night and what was so cool, man, that did my heart so much good. We engaged in worship as a community and one of the things that we reflected on is how does, how does the body of Christ help us to get past our past, right? How does God use other people in our lives to help us heal our own wounds, right? I can tell you so many people, um, as, as I was finally saying yes to Christ for the first time in my life, there were so many people around me. Me that just spoke truth over me and, and helped to fight some of those lies that I had bought into. Um, and so it was great. We three, uh, we heard from Dana. She did an amazing job. She talked about forgiveness um, and our forgiveness logic, right? How how um, our forgiveness logic is to kind of like, you know, we, we all have different ways that we process, um, you know, our, our idea of forgiving somebody, right? Sometimes we suppress those, um, emotions or, or we deal with them differently. Um, tonight we're going to talk about mistakes and failures. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we went through my entire work history. Um, (laughs) it's pretty long and I think I've had, I don't know how many jobs were up there, but, um, the, the funny thing is, is that over the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking of other jobs that I forgot to put on the list. So it's even longer than it was. But guys, if there's anybody who can talk to you about failure, it's me, right? I've, I have, and I don't mean that as like cutting myself down. Because um, you're going to find out in a minute, it's actually a brag, a flex, but um, a different kind of flex. But I have failed a lot. I failed a lot. That's okay. Uh, I'm in a different place with it these days. Uh, But I have failed a lot. And um, I think what what, what we struggle with and what I struggled with for so many years was how I respond to those failures, okay? How I respond to those failures. And I think a lot of times we end up responding to them in a really, really, really unhealthy way. Check out this video. Back in 82. I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Watch this. <coughs> if a coach would have put me in fourth quarter, we'd have been state champions, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. You better believe, things would have been different. I would have gone pro. A heartbeat. I'd be making millions of dollars and living in a big old mansion somewhere. You know, soaking it up in a hot tub with my soul Kip, I reckon you know a lot about cyberspace. You, you ever come across anything like time travel? Easy. I've already looked into it for myself. Right on. Oh man, I love that movie. All right, great movie. But man, he's just stuck in the past, right? He's stuck there. How many of us, um, we make a mistake or something, some kind of a failure, and man, we just get stuck in the past. We get stuck there. Uh, Anybody not know what that movie is? Are you serious? Oh my goodness! Next movie night, done. All right, terrible. I'll pray for you guys. Holy smokes! Okay, um, yeah. So mistakes, right? The pain of them, and this is actually this actually happens. Like if there's um if there's a trauma that's experienced, um, sometimes we get stuck. At that age, like we get stuck in the past, we we relive the past. We have regrets. We have hurts. We have what ifs. You know, what if this never happened? What if I what if I handled it differently? What if I did something differently? Maybe I could have not made that mistake. Maybe I could have been in a different place. Maybe if I didn't compromise in that relationship, maybe um, the mistake that I made had permanent consequences. And those kinds of mistakes come with daily reminders, right? Daily reminders. Maybe you did something and visually it's like in your mind. You can see it. You know how there's there's some things like you see. And you just can't unsee them once you see them, right? And maybe maybe that was a mistake and, and or a failure and, and you're just, you're there, you remember it. Maybe it was somebody who, um, maybe it wasn't a mistake or failure, just something that just, you're stuck in that place and you remember it. Maybe that thing that when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you just wish you could take it back. Maybe it led to something that ultimately um, defined you for a period, and you're thinking, man, I, I never imagined that I would be this person. For a long time, I felt a lot of shame about my divorce, and, and I, I you know, grew up in a Christian home, and so like for, for so many years, I just, I was like, there's no, there's no way, I, I, can't, I can't even accept it. I, 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 there's no way I'm a divorced person. Right, it's like black sheep of the family, and and uh, so much shame and guilt that goes along with that. Oftentimes, honestly, I just feel really broken. Sometimes I just feel really broken. I don't know about you guys, and and actually, we were talking about forgiveness, and for me, it's like I I, I feel like I it's easier for me to forgive people because I know that I screwed up so bad through my life. Right. Anybody like that? Like, like y- y- you, are not the person who, who is like, Hey, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm a really good person. I'm like, man, no, I screwed up so much that, um, you know, yeah, I can forgive you because I've been there. I've, I've missed, I've broken relationships and hurt people and, and done all these things. A pastor um, was collecting shells on the beach with his daughter. The pastor was looking for all the nice shells, right? Life teaches us that. We'll look for the nice shells. So we're walking along the beach. The pastor's looking for all the nice shells. And his daughter was picking up all the broken shells. And when her hands couldn't hold any more shells, she turned to her father and said, Daddy, the broken shells are beautiful too. The broken shells are beautiful too. And I think if I could um, have a testimony for my life, I think that would be it. Daddy, the broken shells are beautiful too. God loves, and I think he, he thinks about the world this way. I think he loves those broken shells. Um, we're going to jump into First Kings 19, 3 through 13. I'm, I'm just going to read through this. I'll be honest with you. Um, it's, it's been a week, okay? Um, and so I didn't get my notes in here for tonight. So, But that's good because now you have an opportunity to write some notes down and, and decide what your own notes should be instead of me telling you what they are. So uh, we're going to be in First Kings 19 if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Um, this is a story that's really interesting to me. Um, I... I Gosh, I connect with this a lot actually. Um, So, Elijah. Elijah was a prophet, and he lived during a time of extreme corruption in Israel. I mean, that's kind of a common theme, right? We hear that over and over and over. But during this time, the actual kings of of Israel were um, inviting uh, um, other gods, worship to other gods, Baal, and they had prophets for those other gods. Okay, and and it was such that um, Elijah came to this point where he was the only prophet left that believed in Yahweh. And so um, he challenged all these other prophets to a test. And um, long story short, God came through and he was proven that all these other prophets were false, that their gods were, were, were false. And in a quick moment, and a quick decision while the crowd was enamored by what they just saw God do, how God showed his power in the face of false gods. He, the crowd was cheering and they're going crazy. And he took advantage of that opportunity and said, come on, guys, let's kill these other prophets. And they actually took them and slaughtered them all. He took them and slaughtered them all. And Jezebel, the the king's wife, um, heard about this and she said, I am going to kill Elijah if it's the last thing I do. And he freaked out and he just ran. He just ran. He ran for his life. Anybody ever do that before? You made a mistake, you run away, ran for your life. Struggle to face those decisions that you made. You know, we see a lot of stories where, where that's the story is that they faced the hardship, they faced the opposition, they faced the the um the torment, the whatever it is, they faced it. But this story, he runs for his life. He runs away because he's afraid for his life, but also he's ashamed of his mistake. And so that's where we pick up in verse three. It says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life when he came to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there while he went himself, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So he's like trying to make sure that nobody finds him. He came to a broom bush, no idea what that is, sat under it and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid under the bush and fell asleep. How many of you guys know that when we make a mistake and we're running from it, we're running from it, we're trying to avoid those consequences, it is exhausting, exhausting, tiring, they say, like, you know, um, one of the best medicines for stress is to actually get things done, right? Because actually holding all of that here and holding all of that here and holding all of that here is exhausting. And so he falls asleep. And it says that once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drink, and then lay down again. It's crazy, right? He had breakfast made by an angel. It's pretty amazing. So then he falls back asleep. I'll be honest with you, um, I try to get away for prayer, uh, kind of a retreat, prayer retreat a couple times a year, and um, when I started doing this a long time ago, I would actually fall asleep, and I felt really guilty about it, and I didn't tell anybody, because I'm like, man, you know, I go to these prayer retreats, and I sleep a lot. I sleep like 12 hours a day. And then the other, you know, a few hours I spend in like meditation and spend time with Abba, but I just sleep a ton. And I felt so guilty about that. But then I realized like maybe, maybe that's where God is speaking to me is in my dreams or, or He's, He's with me and He's just encouraging me to rest in that time. And so I've, I've embraced that as. This is part of my prayer retreat is to to spend time with Abba in rest. So he laid back down. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, he ate, he drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went to a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? How many times we're like running away from what we're supposed to be doing? Um, you know, it's like, that's what, that's what God whispers in our ear. Why, why are you doing, why are you here? What are you doing? I was talking with somebody right before we jumped into to tonight's service, and, and I was telling them that that is exactly the conviction that I heard when my life was a wreck, when I was um, laying on the floor, drunk out of my mind or doing stuff that I knew that I should not been doing. God was whispering in my ear, why are you here? Why are you here? And I knew That wasn't where I should have been. Um, But I think it's a little different for Elijah. I think he's, yes, he's running away from his problem, but it's like he's, he's kind of also seeking the Lord and seeking comfort. God. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty, right? He was passionate. He was so passionate that he had these guys killed. As soon as he had the opportunity, as soon as he had the, the crowd and the power, he had them killed. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. Covenant. They've torn down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. So the, so all the other prophets of Yahweh have been murdered. He says, now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. I love this part. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. That's interesting because in the Old Testament, we see Yahweh connected with this idea of fire so many times. So it's interesting here that it says that God wasn't even in the fire. And after the fire, came a gentle whisper when Elijah heard it. He pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So here he is, he's running from his consequences. Now, um, I'm like a real hardcore person on like fairness, Right? Um, I, you know, gosh, this is going to sound bad, but I'm almost like, man, eye for an eye, you know, if you mess up, I'm going to take ownership. If I mess up, I'm going to take ownership, man. You know, if I messed you over, you know, I need to make it right. Right. I'm that kind of a person. And so, um, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm reading this story about Elijah and I'm like, man, you know, he's running away from his problems. He needs to take ownership. He needs to take responsibility. There's consequences, right? But he doesn't, he's running away and then he goes to God and what does God do? What does God do in this moment of despair, in this moment of loneliness? He's all by himself. He's buried in shame. God speaks to him. and Gives him the gift of his presence. I don't think God wants us to be afraid of failing. I don't think God wants us to be afraid of failing. I don't think that's the kind of God that he is. Because if that's the kind of God that he is, he would have shut us down a long, long time ago. Because I failed a whole bunch of times. And yet, the moment, the moment I put my white flag up, and I said, I'm done. He's like, I'm here. I'm here. So a couple things about failure is that I don't think we should be afraid to fail. I think we need to definitely understand that there are consequences to our failures, right? We need to take ownership. But I don't think God wants us to be afraid to fail. You might be like, what in the world are you talking about? Read a book called "Failing Forward," and uh, by John Maxwell, and and in it he's talking about how like man sometimes it's in the failures that we learn those vital things that help us to connect or help us to share God's love or help us to become humble so we can speak love gently when it needs to be spoken gently. God didn't come and shame Elijah and say, you ran away from your your responsibility. You need to take ownership. He cared for him in that moment. So beautiful. When most of us would be like, no, what's right? What's right? Maybe God has a different definition of what's right. I do think we need to take reasonable ownership of our mistakes. Reasonable ownership. What that means is, is that you need to own what you need to own, but you also don't need to own what you don't need to own. That makes sense? Y'all got that? Good. Thumbs up. You got that one? Okay. No, seriously. When we make a, when we make mistakes and when we fail. I think, and I believe this with every fiber of my being, that the enemy has a massive role in causing us to fail. Now, that doesn't mean that we go around and say, you know, it's not my fault, so that's not me. I think we need to absolutely take reasonable ownership of our mistakes. Realize that this is a spiritual battle. The enemy does want us to fail. He will trip us up. He will absolutely cause us to stumble. He absolutely will get in our way sometimes. But we have a part in that too. We have a part in that too. And I promise you, we can learn a whole lot more if we can take responsibility when we fail. And lastly, is be a student. Be a student of life. I love this um, illustration here. The teacher of a ceramics class divided her students into two groups. Okay, um, she told the first group they'd be graded based on how many pieces they created over the course. Okay, so you know you're gonna get a better grade if you make a whole bunch. It doesn't matter the quality, but you just got to make a lot of products, a lot of a lot of ceramic projects. Okay. Um, The second group was supposed to make just one piece of pottery, but make it the best that they can. And, you know, when you hear this, you're you're kind of thinking like, okay, I already know where this goes. Because if this group had so much time to put into one piece of pottery, of course it's going to be better than this other group that they're just... They're quickly making, they're making pottery over and over. They're just making pottery over and over. I'm not really sure if this is how you make pottery, but I thought a hand gesture would be a good illustration of making pottery. So you're just making pottery over and over, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what you're thinking, right, is that the first guys have to be doing better. (laughs) Actually, that was DJ. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But check this out. The first group completely outgunned the second group. When it came to the quality of their creations. Think about this. Making multiple pieces took the pressure off of every single one of those pieces. Failing was not a bad thing. If we take away the shame. If you take away the guilt of making mistakes. Of failing. If we allow ourselves to make mistakes. All of a sudden, maybe we can learn from these mistakes. And number two, going through multiple stages of failing allowed them to learn from each one to improve. And, and this, this uh, group over here, they had one shot. They had to make it perfect, but they had the total experience of only one. While these guys had the experience uh, of many, many different projects and they could learn and they could improve and they could learn and they could improve. So here's what I want you to hear. If your past has these huge mistakes or lots of them. I want you to allow Abba to break those chains of guilt and shame around those mistakes. They don't define you. They don't tell the world who you are. Yes, we made the mistake. Yes, we own a piece of it, right? But it doesn't, it doesn't, you are not the sum total of all the mistakes that you've made. You see, what I figured out after a while was that, yes, I screwed up a lot, but man, I can have a conversation with somebody about drugs. And yes, I screwed up a lot and I broke relationships and I hurt people, but man, I can have a conversation about how to forgive Because I've had so many people forgive me for the things that I've done. And I started to realize that, yes, I am broken. Yes, I am messed up. Yes, I have hurt and pain and struggles. And I'm a human being. But at the end of the day, I'm not glad that I made mistakes. I'm not boasting about it. But I'm so thankful for those precious lessons that the Holy Spirit allowed me to learn through those processes. The tears, are still, the tears were still there. The hurt was absolutely real. And, 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 you know, we heal from that, right? God gives us healing from those things, and he, he helps us to break those chains of, of um, being stuck in that place of hurt and shame and guilt. the last thing is that failure keeps us humble. Failure keeps us humble. If if you and I are in a relationship and um, if I am aware of the grace that I have been given in my life because I made a lot of mistakes, if you sin against me, it is that much easier for me to forgive you, right? So failures keep us humble. And you know, life can break us. And uh, what's what's interesting about this, this is probably going to be way cheesy, but whatever. What's interesting about this is that, you know, here you are. This is you at church, right? We come to church, we put a smile on, life is great. But on the inside, we're broken. We don't want anybody to see that. We want people to see this. We want people to see how perfect my life is. You know, we got it all together and uh, and things are good. But at the end of the day, we're broken, right? Life breaks us down. Sometimes we make a really bad mistake. And uh, you know, what's kind of crazy is that, you know, here's a little one. Right that's a little mistake, but then we have these these big pieces, and these are the ones that like kind of define us because they're huge, and everybody sees these broken pieces and um, I don't know, I'd just like to challenge you to think about like if you if this was your pot like what what um what would you write on these pieces How, what would they represent? what parts of your of your past would they represent? Would you allow them to just be? Broken like this, would you invite the Holy Spirit to come in and, and work and fix? You see, in my opinion, this looks way better than that perfect pot. because we come to this place and we realize our brokenness and we realize our need for a savior. We realize our need for grace and we realize our need for forgiveness and we realize our need uh, for the Holy Spirit and we realize that um, this task is exceedingly, I am exceedingly insufficient for this task and I desperately need the Holy Spirit in my life to put these pieces back together. And, and the interesting thing is that once they're broken, they don't ever go back exactly the same way which is beautiful because it's like a new a new pot a different pot right our our failures our mistakes they don't ever leave us unscathed they change us in a way they affect us in a way and when we allow the holy spirit to come into our life when we allow Christ to come into our life then The light shines through the brokenness. Can you imagine if this pot was perfect? Totally perfect. How much light would get through? Can you imagine if this pot had no blemishes, how much light would get through, but instead because of the brokenness, because of the cracks, because of the imperfections, that's where the light shines through. That's where the light of Christ spills out. I love the song that we sang earlier. I said there's no broken person that God can't raise the darkest night, he's going to light that up. Would you allow him to come into those broken places and not make him perfect, but fit them back into a way that's that makes you into a new person, person, a new creation? Right. We've been kind of focusing on that that um, passage, that verse is a new creation. This is a new pot, a new vessel. Beautifully broken. Letting all this light pour through. Father, we just thank you for um, the fact that we don't have to come to you um, without blemish. God, we thank you for the fact that um, you love us even in our brokenness. And I think I think maybe um, as we're going throughout life and we're trying to pick up the pieces of our broken lives and and we're trying to put them back together and we're trying to fit them so perfectly that you can't see the seams, you can't see the cracks, you can't see the brokenness. I I feel like you're up in heaven saying, no, wait, don't do that. I was gonna use that crack. I was gonna use that broken piece. I was gonna use that. to encourage that person in your life who's going through the exact same thing and you don't even know. So God, would you just help us to be in a place where we're not afraid to fail. We're not afraid to, 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 to have mistakes on our record that we don't have to be perfect and that we can learn from our mistakes and, and those failures and those mistakes can add up to real change and real beauty. And that you can use that to change other people's lives, God. We have been thinking about this, how um, you use other people to help us get past our past. Father, if there's somebody here tonight and they're thinking, man, I don't have really any brokenness, God, would you... God, would you help them to just see or or, or or see somebody in their life that they can be praying for, that they can connect with? If there's somebody here who's just thinking, man, my brokenness is just way too big. My pieces are spread out all over the place and there's no way I could ever imagine putting them back together. God, would you just miraculously begin to put those pieces back together for them? God, would you in your Holy Spirit help to break the chains of labels, um, break the chains of addiction, break the chains of mistakes, the places that we live, the darkest recesses, of our heart where we just want to hide those from every single person around us because we are so concerned about what they think about who we are, if they possibly knew this horrible thing that we did. And yet it's that piece of brokenness that might pave the way for your light to reach the deepest, darkest place in someone else's life. We just love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.